Hello everybody, how you all doing? This is Cams with another episode of Acoustic Guitar I.O. I've just come through from the kitchen with a cup of tea in hand, ready to talk into the microphone and introduce another interview for you. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping first though, if you would be so kind. I first of all would like to say hello because it's been a very long time since I last published an interview. The last one will have been with Tristan Sume, so I hope you listened to and enjoyed that one. And I'll tell you why I've been so lackadaisical. I started a new business back at the end of October last year when my post office business sold after seven years of having had it on the market. So, as you will imagine, I was very happy with that. In July last year, I started working as a social media and content creator for a friend of mine who runs a local bistro in Brodick called Crofter's Music Bar. And I enjoyed it so much that I decided that that's the kind of direction that I would like to take for my new business. So, as of the 1st of November 2019... I became a full-time social media marketer and content creator. Between then and now, I have been studying. I've been taking online courses. I have been looking at mentorship programs. I've been working on a business plan, formulating thoughts and ideas, and it's been a very busy time. So the guitar content has kind of slipped off the radar a wee bit. However... Having gone through the process of figuring out exactly what kind of form I would like this business to take, I have decided that I would be crazy not to try and employ my love of guitar into this new business in some form or fashion. So what's happened is I have been working hard over the last week. Today is the 25th of May 2020, so... Over the last week, I have been changing all of my social media presences for the new business, which is called Cam's Social Media Marketing, to target my dream audience. So it's not going to take an Einstein to figure out who my dream audience might be. Yes, it is guitar makers and guitar players. I have a lot of contacts in that world, as you may already have gathered from some of the interviews that I have put out. And it would be insane for me not to try and work in the industry that I love. So that is precisely what I am going to be doing. To that end, I will be looking at some of the content that I have on my hard drive that's been sitting there, some of it since June last year at the RMMG gathering, so it's almost a year old, some of this content. But I am still going to put it out, because it's valuable content, and for the most part, it's evergreen. So that's what will be happening. So that is why, this week, I have been working on my interview that I recorded with Rosie Haydenrich from Turnstone Guitars. I met Rosie at the Halifax gathering in October 2019. The Halifax Gathering is an annual gathering called HB, which stands for Hebden Bridge, and it's run by the participants and moderators on the acoustic soundboard.co.uk guitar forum. 
I have many friends on there. They're all amazing people. And last year was my second trip. I believe it was the 10th gathering. So it was called HB10. And that was when I got to meet Rosie for the first time. I also recorded some other interviews whilst at that gathering. So look out for those coming soon. I won't give away the names. I'll keep it as a surprise. But meeting Rosie was one of the, the big draws for me to go to the gathering that year because I'd heard so much about her. I know that some of the participants at the Halifax gathering know Rosie quite well and also own a guitar or two of Rosie's. And so it was a real treat to get to meet her and her husband, Carl. Carl is involved in quite a big way in Rosie's business and is responsible for some of the photography and other social media content, I believe, that comes from Turnstone Guitars. And it was a real treat to get to talk to Carl as well. In fact, we enjoyed a really nice dinner on the second night and uh, we had a great conversation, including some book recommendations, one of which was Sapiens. And I finished that book a couple of months ago and really enjoyed it. I can't remember the author's name. It's Yusuf something. No, it's gone. You can look it up. Anyway, so moving on to the interview, I did set up cameras and I did record a video interview. However, on watching it back, I'm afraid that my lack of experience is evident in the quality of the video. First of all, it was seeking focus, and I believe it's because the A7 III, unbeknown to me at the time, does not maintain its facial focus capture when the camera's set to 4K. That will explain why the video was seeking. And also the positioning of the cameras was very, very poor. And so Mahid, as they say in Scotland, kept getting into the shot that was pointing at Rosie. And so for that reason, I've decided not to put the video out. I'm going to put this one out as audio only. Now, that is a shame because there is a part of the recording where we look at one of Rosie's guitars. But it's a learning curve, right? And I I want to acknowledge my failures and not let them prevent my putting out any content at all. I want to try and learn from my failures and grow as a content creator. So I will now cease with my talking and I will pass you over to the interview with Rosie Hedenrich. So I'm sitting with Rosie Haydenrich. Haydenrich. Almost, yeah. So I pronounce it Haydenrich. Haydenrich. Uh, okay. But Carl's mother pronounces it Haydenrich. So I, I'm free. Do 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 as you will, and I'll. <laughs> so Rosie from Turnstone Guitars. Yes. Yeah. How did you come up with Turnstone? So, well, going back to the pronouncing okay. my surname issue, it became kind of apparent to me that. I didn't really feel like I wanted it to be named after myself and I think I just wanted it to be something slightly separated and so I was kind of, when I was thinking about starting a guitar company and what it might be named after, I started to think well maybe symbolically after a bird that you can see in England so I started to research the birds that you see obviously seeing many of them but kind of looking through the list of 
the birds that you can see on British shores, woodlands. I came across a bird called turnstone, and reading the story behind it, you see them on British shores, and the reason that they're called turnstone birds is because they actually turn the stones over on the beaches to find food. So if you're walking along the beach, you can actually see them. They're usually scuttling back and forth, you know, as the waves come in and out, and they're probably smallish birds, but look fairly... You know, you wouldn't probably notice them from anything else, but when they open their wingspan, they have this lovely kind of streak of white going across it that just, you know, looks absolutely amazing. And I just kind of fell in love with the the, the bird and the story behind it, and I just thought, turnstone, it's a nice kind of rolls off the tongue. I kind of, I can associate that maybe with, you know, a guitar, and it, and then obviously thinking about the bird and what I would want my headstock to be, because traditionally you inlay your name across it, and then I started to envision, well, you know, seeing the turnstone bird with the white streak across its wings, that if I can carve into my headstock the symbol of a bird and actually um, use my chisel to to remove material to sculpt out the wings, if you have veneer in between the front veneer, the mid veneer, and obviously the neckward, you get three colours that actually defined the, the shape and the colour of the wing so that just it all just kind of worked nicely in my head so yeah. <laughs> gave it a go that's a lovely story I haven't heard of that yeah. bird before yes um, um, I think they're migratory so you see them I think in the winter time and then they go elsewhere right. yeah okay so you have a guitar here with you yes would you be able to show us the headstock and yeah stuff? So this one um, is a custom order, so there's something slightly different in this headstock uh, which relates to the person that I built it for, um, but just to, to focus in on the bird, so that's the, the kind of example of uh, an ash neck with red. So a common theme throughout this guitar is the use of red wood, um, red stones and in the rosette. Uh, but yeah, so the the, bo- the body of the bird, the wings whittled out with the red going into the V of the body mm. and the, the mid section of the wing. It's really beautiful. Thank wow. you. And the stones, the, the inlay? So the stones are actually represent a story that when this customer that I built this for got in touch with me, um, we actually met in a pub near my workshop for the first time, and he um, kind of went on to tell me a story about, it's really, really sad, that he lost his wife actually very recently from that point, and he wanted to commemorate her in the guitar, and... The idea of which, you know, on the face of it can seem a bit unsettling, but he actually wanted the ashes of his wife. There's a company that puts ashes into gemstones, which they do for jewellery and things like this. And he wanted the idea of putting it into the headstock to to commemorate his wife. And he's reasonably young, so I think kind of it's it's talking to him and kind of understanding the situation. This is kind of a bit of closure for him to be able to move on. So, you know, what maybe seems... An, unusual, an initially unusual request but actually kind of getting to know him and being able to talk through this and work this out with him is actually if I can help you know give some closure to him and provide him with something yeah. that he'll enjoy hopefully for the rest of his life I think that's that you know it's something really it's been a really interesting and and um, humbling experience to yeah. kind of be involved in I think that's a beautiful story because it allows him to to create something Exactly. And it allows you to create something from which you can then create something musically. Exactly. And yeah. it can stay with them as you say. That's a beautiful yeah. story. 
And the, I see you've got your veneers. Yeah, so try and carefully turn it around. (laughs) Yeah, there's a big radiator right there, so (laughs) we'll keep an eye on that. Um, Yeah, so that's uh, back of the headstocks. The running design concept, as I I said, is red. So we've got the paduk, which is naturally that that red colour, and then that's followed down to the neck, which is an English ash neck with bog oak, um, paduk, laminate. And the back of the guitar is a lovely example of quite a dark version of ancient uh, black oak or bog oak um, which I've used a fair amount Um, I've built quite a number of guitars with this now so I'm kind of getting to know what what its character is and how to get the best out of it and um, English woods is kind of one of the things that I'm I'm pretty interested in right from the start from when I began um, coming across an English walnut back inside set Mm-hmm. and actually seeing wow you know there is an English wood that, that can be used in guitars and then that kind of then thought then that got me thinking well what other back and sides could I use so cherry sycamore apple um, a whole a whole ton of them but then that then got me thinking well what could I potentially use for a neck ash sycamore walnut cherry yeah. and then well, what could I use for a soundboard and the soundboard is actually was initially the the hardest thing to find because we don't really grow well we ha- we have sick spruces we have firs um but it's more they're not they're not native so they grow in this country but they've been introduced the only native p- technically softwood that we have in England is you which i have subsequently used as a soundboard okay. but actually finding kind of something of the you know the more traditional properties was initially quite difficult but i found the first english soundboard that i found was a western red cedar uh, top and then I've gone on to, to actually try Cypress English grown so yeah and then that spawned into well what can I use for the bracing what can I use for yeah. the blocks and mm. so then I, I developed an idea to do a guitar that was all made up every wooden component made out of English wood so that but then that developed what I call the E-series model so if somebody wants an all English uh, guitar then I'd say well that's an E-series guitar but within the spec of the models that I that yeah. I produce. Yeah. Um, that red and black goes together perfectly. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's nice because when you see or when you envisage it in your head, it's quite a while until it comes to fruition. Mm. So you're like, I think I think this is going to work, but until you actually see it, it's um, it's just something that, that's in your head. So. Yeah. And um, this rosette is something that I've done for the first time. This is uh, resin-dyed maple burr. So the dye is actually drawn through the maple burr with a vacuum. So initially when I was thinking about doing a dyed burr rosette, I was going to do the dyeing myself. But when when you actually look into staining woods and... Because with rosettes, you obviously, you set it, but you sand it. And mm-hmm. if you sand through, you know, a, a top-level stain, then it will disappear, basically. So I did some tests and realised that I wasn't going to be able to, to do that. So I started researching this uh, this resin, stabilised resin. I think it's resin... I can't remember the name, but but yeah, it's it it's, a, it's, it's, a te- it's a technical process and it works. So yeah, yeah. I um I bought it, but then I had to kind of lay it out how I wanted it, and um, yeah, so that's that's the idea behind that. And then the red again, Paduk fret markers. So that's that's yeah. it. Yeah, and you've got some interesting 
cleats on the back there? Yeah, so that is essentially kind of just a, a little reinforcement for the back join, mm. um, which obviously on this example you've got your um, your back strip, but also it's kind of aesthetic as well. Like yeah, I, I, really I pay nice. quite close attention to the stuff that goes on inside, and I kind of, although a lot of people say, well, you can't see it, you know, why spend so much time on, on stuff that you can't see? But it's not, it's it, it's an element of just wanting people to see see the care that's been taken but equally I do it because I think it builds a better guitar at the end of the day yeah. I, I don't think I'd do it if I didn't think that it did that so. that's the Steve Jobs aesthetic we paint the insides as well exactly yeah. yeah put it in a nice box as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely gorgeous so did you have a background in guitar building or a background in woodworking or how did you come to it the well a background in woodworking would be a very tenuous link in that I did GCSE CDT, it was called at the time. So that was as close to woodwork to a further education that I could do at school. But that was purely structural, like designing furniture, MDF, using bandsaws, no actual uh, hand tool work because there just wasn't an option to do it. Um, but that obviously that was school I let that I left that I actually started playing guitar when I was 17 I originally younger than that my my school instrument was a saxophone and I just massively struggled with the physical effort that it took and I would often you know you have to build up lung capacity capacity to be able to play it and my sister actually played the classical guitar that was her instrument and I remember seeing somebody play guitar and just thinking that just looks so relaxing to play and as a saxophone player I really kind of appreciated that and I just picked up my sister's guitar one day and started playing I think E minor and G were the chords that I knew and I just played it over and over and over again to the point where that kind of developed to the point where my dad was just like should we get you a guitar so we went to the music shop and bought me like a little guitar that I just it just took me you know when you get home from school I'm playing it and that you know completely different to the saxophone which was kind of a bit of a chore to because yeah. you have to tick off your weekly practice roster which usually I'd have to come up with an excuse to the teacher to explain why I hadn't practiced this I was like coming home playing it so it just yeah it, it was the instrument for me and that carried on into university uh playing in bands and um doing things you know other musical things like radio shows um I joined uh, what's called in that in those days uh, a street team where you'd go to gigs you'd be part of the band street team where you get people to sign the, up to their email list because that was kind of the way that they would build up followings in the pre-social media era yeah, so I would go along to gigs and have a clipboard I say do you want to join their mailing list and um, went you know saw tons of acts that you know went on to become pretty pretty big and um so yeah that was kind of my musical and my tenuous woodworking background but I was always pretty good with my hands so I kind of knew that I had a hand skill as it were um but went to university studied business went into the world of work kind of through not really knowing the right way to go but falling into jobs which then kind of progressed from there which I you know massively enjoyed but it kind of got to a stage with my career where I was kind of thinking you know what, what's the long-term future and just a number of things happened that um, kind of made me think well I at least want to start proactively 
exploring my creative side again because I, I felt like I was, I was losing that. So I did a number of things. I did the music production course because I wondered maybe because of my musical background and I did a bit of recording when I was at university of the songs that I would write. Maybe that might be an avenue for me to try. I did an evening course in that. But that kind of just, again, didn't link up. I think because the computer age, just I just part of the thing with the office job is just sitting at a computer all day. I felt like I wanted to, to be moving a bit. So, again, I was like, I'm not sure if that's it. And then um, it just so happened that a guitar-making course was advertised in London at the London Metropolitan University um, while I was working there. Well, I was working at a charity about 20 minutes away, and I just signed up um, just to kind of see see what would happen. But that also, just remembering back, is it linked because for one of my birthdays, my mum bought me... She had bought off a friend a 12-string guitar for me, which when she gave you know, I was like blown away and I looked in and it said I, th- I can't I think it was called Lakeland and I've since researched and I couldn't find whether it still existed or not but it said made in England and I was like what so they still make guitars you know I was I was a tailor girl I um didn't really know much about the handmade guitar market but that was the first time I was like wow let's they still actually make guitars in England and then that got me researching luthiers and that kind mm. of opened up the luthier world I was reading about like Patrick Eggle looking at his acoustic guitars and then, you know, starting to understand a little bit about the woods. And so that was kind of, I think that happened before the evening class and that's where I kind of started to make that association with, hmm, you know, this could be just something that I might be interested in doing. And then when the evening class came up, I was working full-time in London, so it was kind of an opportunity where I could still, you know, pay the bills, do my work, but start to steadily do something that, that, that was slightly different and then it just kind of blew up from there so I did about a year into that I started to really think okay I think this might this might be something that I really want to delve a bit further in so I spoke to my course tutor and said can I you know can I get a bit more experience on weekends with you I just want to I feel like I, I want to learn more and he put me in touch with a, a lady on Denmark Street who I then subsequently went and saw her and she started to allow me to come on weekends so I was doing that in the evening course and it all kind of then spawned onto there that I did um so a year into that I was at a guitar show and I picked up a business card of a maker in London and he was advertising for an intern and then I went along to that and um got that internship so that's when I went part-time with my work so it was all kind of trying to to work out a way that I could get because obviously there's so much to learn and I knew that and they have actually a degree co- well they did at the time a degree course at the Met and I am denied whether you know should I go back to university and do the thing but I just couldn't I'd already you know I was already paying off my student debt from yeah. the previous one I just I couldn't kind of I, and I also just felt that that wasn't going to give me the the ultimate experience that I needed to to really to get the the really refined hand skills to to give it a good go so yeah that's kind of that's how it all started to come into fruition and then so I did the internship for two years part-time and that from there that kind of gave me enough to open my own shop and then it's still part-time developing my skills starting to go out to my first shows and it was actually because we were obviously at the acoustic soundboard meet yeah my very first show I met Leo 
and he put a post on acoustic soundboard about me and my guitars yeah. and um, that was like the first time that anybody had ever written about me so I was like mom dad look at this <laughs> um, so yeah that's where I've kind of that's why I've, I've known these guys ever since the beginning so uh, I like to come along and see what guitars they've got and chat guitars and all that kind of stuff that's an amazing story it's it's interesting I'm a bit older than you I would think and I'm kind of making that leap now into creativity rather than business stuff Mm. and it's very liberating but it's also quite scary yes there must have been a point in time when you made that decision right I'm going to go full time now what was that like for you? Yeah, really scary. And you can think about it, like, ideologically, but when it actually happens, it's it's different. Especially, you know, when you when you have outgoings and you all the serious, boring stuff. Like when I initially um, went into the part time internship, I was kind of like, you know, this is it. Here I go. You know, free creative soul. I'll make it work. You know, I'll get by. I'll do part because initially I was thinking I'm going to sack in the well. So I had a full time job, and I approached them to say. I would like to try, you know, if you're happy with it, I'd like to see if I can do this on a part-time basis. Um, If it doesn't work, we can kind of obviously part ways, but if it does work, I've got the stability of an income while still being able to work three days. And I genuinely think if I had done the former idea, I don't think I would be here because it's just, it's too difficult without a steady income to, to deal with that transition so that my advice or my thoughts to, to people that come and ask me like how do I do this I just say try and just cover your your costs because if things in the financial department start going awry then everything else is going to eventually start to impact and you'll kind of get into this spiral that will be difficult to get out of or at least be able to perform to your best when you're worrying about stuff like that so if you can just get something that can tide you over but still you know work evenings work around it until you get to a point where things start to pick up and like you just you know you mentioned when when is the point to to make that leap and so I think I had been in my own workshop working part-time for almost two and a half years and I'd started to get the orders in so initially you know orders were ticking me over and kind of breaking even but not really like just getting by basically for those years but then as it started to progress I was kind of equally getting to a stage where like I need to put in more time like I I would maybe perhaps be taking away from what I can do in the future if I don't take that leap so it was a real kind of way up thinking okay well I've got enough money. I can take a gamble for six months. That if I try for, to go full time for six months and things don't pan out, I will then have to okay reassess. But I think I have to do this just to to see if I if I can the additional time that I can put in as a full time maker can then the momentum can start to to get going. So it was a bit of a leap, but equally kind of a a measured leap at the same time. But luckily, it it did happen the way that that I'd hoped that you're there more so you can produce more so you can I mean my skills I think exponentially increased when I went full time so and how do you find how do you divide your time between making and networking and social media and all that kind of stuff 
Uh, so Do you have well, a strategy for that? I can't. It's it's difficult actually because the the making side and I think in, in any business it's it's a it's becomes your life basically because it is just all consuming but I think with something like guitar making the actual process of making them is so complex you could easily have more than a full-time job just in the production side of things so initially when I was part-time I had kind of the headspace to think about like you know a business plan and marketing and all that kind of stuff and as I went full-time I increasingly found it harder to want to dedicate time to that because I wanted to put all the time into the guitars and even now it's kind of like I'm so this year I actually did decide that I wanted to focus more on the the processes and the guitars basically improving all the things that I, you know, I'm starting to say, okay, I want to, or, you know, like if something is just like, okay, that's the process is not quite there, but you carry on because the time it takes for you to reevaluate that process takes time out of, you know, the bill. So you're obviously like, okay, I'll stick with that for now, but I think I need to come back and look at that. But this year I was like, no, I actually want to, you know, really start to, to look at that. So I focused more consciously on the building, but then now, that you know I am starting to think okay I need to start getting back into thinking about promoting the work I mean I'm always going to shows so they're always kind of in the diary but actually uh, prioritizing thinking forward about you know how much money am I going to maybe put into marketing what shows am I going to do mm-hmm. but even your back your your processes of dealing with customer inquiries and um accounting like the accounting thing is like a current thing where you know again it's a bit like the processes you're like okay i'll get by i can do it but it's not ideal and that's with accounting for me that needs to be reassessed to have a much clearer view of kind of what's going on and all that kind of stuff so yeah, it's. It would be nice to get to a position where your profit margin was enough that you could actually bring other people in with these skills. Yeah, I mean to that's. Take care of that that's for you and let you focus on. True. Yeah, and that that's that's like a, a whole different ball game in itself. Yeah. Like bringing staff on, and especially especially with, I guess, um, very small scale luthier production is bringing you know, if you if you are making a, a large number of guitars i think it's actually easier to bring people in than working on very custom bespoke bringing people up to the level that they need that you can trust them with you know not just in the essence of you know being able to to do the work to a, a standard that you would be happy with so that's just like a whole different kettle of fish that I'm yeah not quite <laughs> well apart from Carl so so my yeah. husband he's he, he he's now part-time working part-time with me so he's kind of going through a similar thing that he's spending two days with me he actually initially started working with me because one of the things that I wanted to do was start to bring the the finish work in-house and that is a whole nother sphere of um, knocking your head against the wall trying to understand the the processes and the products that you should use so when I initially decided that okay that's I'm gonna have to do that because I need I need to be in control of that and understand it that if we can do it together and that can maybe be be his element of because I think as well that's important to have especially like in a in a husband wife team to have Mm -hmm. you know different dedicated roles if he can do the finish work 
Um, but equally, when we're learning the process together, I think especially with finished work, is just having somebody else there to say what's happened here, like what's going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, with him, that's yeah, that's that's working well so far, and that's yeah, the first time that I've been in that position to kind of have somebody working mm-hmm. with me in that respect. Excellent. So. I tried to bring my daughter on board as video editor. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you were talking about that decision point when it comes, and I've been running a post office now for 12 years. Oh, okay. On the Isle of Arran. Yeah. Which was not That's so cool. the best idea. I didn't realise <laughs> at the time. I thought it was going to be idyllic. Yeah. Scottish Island, little post office and all that, but it just didn't suit my temperament at all. Really? That's and I've been trying to get out for seven years, mm. trying to sell it on. And that's just happened this oh, month. Okay. The end of October is my, my last trading day. Oh, well, congratulations. So the decision's kind of there now. Yeah. It's going to happen. And I'm getting into music. I mean, I've always played music, mm. and doing gigs and stuff. I'm trying to build up my teaching portfolio, so I'm doing quite a lot of private lessons. Oh. And I started doing this stuff, this recording, yeah. podcasts. And I mean, I've been in this guitar world for years and mm. years and years. And I used to travel a lot, and then I kind of had a break when I started the post office. So mm. That's probably why we'd never met, because last mm. year was my first acoustic soundboard. Oh, okay. So I came along to that, and I'm, I'm levelling up, you know, I'm buying more equipment, I'm trying to make my productions a bit more serious. Mm. But I'm sitting on so much content, and I have to edit it. Yeah. Thankfully, I've been hired by a friend of mine to do social media marketing for him. Nice. So I've got a little bit of income coming in yeah. whilst I'm practising these skills mm. because there's a lot of video work, recording, mm. audio, photography, and I love it. It's a yeah. really good opportunity. But So I think I'm kind of hitting the ground walking, not quite running. Yeah. But, I mean, this is probably like a pinnacle time for you right yeah, now then the because if you're just about to put times, the, yeah. the sale in on the post office, this will be a bit like, you know, when I did it and exponentially just having the time and the freedom yeah. without that the burden of I, I almost felt like I was living a double life during that time because I'd spend three days doing you know a different job talking to staff about my colleagues about you know the work that we were doing and then suddenly two days later I'm in a workshop like talking to a, a customer about a guitar it was just like it yeah. then in the end it, it just it's it just it, bizarre really but you have to tread that line. But I'm, I imagine now that you can let that finally, you know, conclude that yeah. to have the the time and the freedom to put towards, yeah. you know, getting those skills, as you say, um, well, it'll be I an interesting time. Because you you said you've got Carl coming in to help you with some some of your your operational stuff. My wife has been supporting me by working at the post office to okay. allow me to get off and yeah. start building up the other areas of my life that mm. I want to be doing oh it's wonderful it's, she's been amazing yeah, yeah. supportive partners are yeah. like, and with Carl obviously I would talk like all the time about the guitar stuff to eventually that he's he started because before he wasn't interested or it, not to say he wasn't interested but the guitar making thing was my thing and yeah. then it, you know I started to talk more about it and it's actually interesting because there's element because the the array of skills is so widespread like there's parts of guitar making that actually I think he would probably be better at than me right. so we and he started you know talking obviously I was talking about it all the time but yeah become you know finding common interests and 
yeah, it's but but yeah, with a partner that kind of understand, kind of and encourage, and I guess that's another element of it as well, like the ups and downs. Having yeah, a support really is invaluable, yeah. I would say. So I would be struggling on my own mm. for sure. Yeah. But my daughter said no. No. <laughs> she said yes initially, and then she's too busy. She's high school. She's yeah. Going to music school at weekends. She's in a band. There's, there's just not enough time for yeah. her. And I don't want to take her time away from her. Mm. I did offer her a partnership kind of thing. She's like, well, what's that going to get me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you never know. In time. In time, perhaps, mm. yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm just grateful for the opportunity at, at my age. I'm 48 coming up. Oh, okay. And it's, uh, it feels like I've been given another chance at happiness. Yeah, which I'm, that's I'm so awesome. excited about. Yeah. And um, I'm not that familiar with your background story, but Carl was actually telling me, because you had, a, uh, I think, a video that you spoke, which I haven't yet seen, but he yeah. watched it. He did? And yet, he was... Because oh. when we saw you at the... Um, when we checked in, he was like, oh, I know that guy. I saw his video. Oh. Like, he's such a nice guy. Um, he maybe hasn't told you yet. No, he hasn't. Yeah, he was quite taken with your story. And I rem- and I, the guitar that you played at RMGGA for Neil, Yeah. I think he had commented on something. But again, I, he said something like, oh, I knew your story. I was really moved by it. Um, so as I say, I'm not, I'm not 100% familiar with, but Carl gave me a yeah. bit of a rundown, but... That's well, kind you can of watch it afterwards. Yeah, I will. We'll but but from what I understand, it was it's quite a story. So well, music is in short, music has been therapy for me. Yeah, I got a, my first guitar when I was recovering from an accident. Mm. That led me down this merry path. Yeah, it's funny the yeah. the twists and turns that that music uh, brings. Yeah. So what's in the future? Do you think? Where do you um, see yourself going? What are your goals? My goals. Where would you like to be? Um, that's. Well, you just got into Teenag, didn't you? I did. Yeah. So that's um, that's exciting. Yeah. That's my first my first dealer. So yeah, I mean, I started going um, further afield with my shows. So my sights are set, I guess, a bit wider than the UK. So America. Okay. Uh, I've done a few shows in Germany. So I think still, you know, building the name. Uh, getting people familiar with the turnstone and kind of un- understanding what I do, the English word side of things, but equally, you know, the traditional words and. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, so it's kind of, I guess, about spreading the word, but equally, I'm like I say, I'm really interested in kind of knowing what I can do from a from a processes and production element. When I started, I learned with all hand tools, thicknessing hand planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I had was a, a little bandsaw and a pillar drill. Um, I think that was they were my main tools. So I started kind of bare bones and I've progressed from there and started to develop, you know, more slightly more efficient ways of doing things. So that's kind of but equally it's always a balancing act yeah. of keeping, you know, things that you enjoy balanced with, you know, producing on a level that is seen to be mildly efficient um so that's you know that's an interesting area for me um visiting other makers seeing how they work kind of their ideas i mean i'm a member of the egb which is the european guitar builders association and they hold symposium events so i really do try to to meet as many 
makers as I can and kind of understand their experiences, what led them to where they're at and how they work and um, kind of the, the values, I guess, that they, they associate with their work. And kind of then that makes me reflect on where where I want to go in the future, what's important to me. Um, I was doing a, a talk, I gave a talk to the students at Newark College and that made me kind of think about I, th- I think I divided it up into a, like half of talk about the, my processes but half about kind of your business and where you want to as a new builder kind of where you want to set your sights with as far as like what you define as success so like obviously success is defined in completely you know for different people it's a different thing and for me it would kind of made me think well actually what's what's my definition of success and obviously you have to make a certain amount make a living from this but I think beyond that I didn't get I got into this because I wanted it to be passion driven and something you know creative and fun so beyond that point I want to be guided by the things that I enjoy doing so that was kind of I guess my my thought process for underpinning where I want to go in future yeah, in that, that okay yeah. I need I need a baseline I mean I'm I'm kind of realistic that I need I want to be able to support my family I would prefer not to have financial concerns so you know that that does underpin things I'm not going to lie but beyond that I'm not in it for anything more than that and then I want to be guided by the creative side the you know things that I enjoy and then that that will may twist and turn as life throws its its curveballs but that's generally I think the underpinning of of where I want to go excellent I love that yeah passion driven looking for happiness that's what it is for me just Mm. trying to make myself happy and Mm. be the best me that I can be yeah Exactly. That's my goal. And you know, when it when it all finishes, just think, well, I gave it a good go and yeah. I didn't waste it, so that's yeah. it. Well, Rosie, thank you very much for sitting down with me. That's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, and thank you. I look forward to hearing you play something. Maybe. A bit later on today. <laughs> we'll see. <Great. laughs> I've had a few ciders. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Rosie. All right. Nice to meet you. So once again, a huge thank you to Rosie for taking some time out of the busy gathering and sitting down with me in the hotel dining room and sharing some conversation with me. It was very nice to meet you, Rosie. I really enjoyed talking to you and also getting to try some of your amazing guitars. If you look up Rosie's content, you'll find some guitar playing excerpts done by the amazing Michael Watts. Michael has been to Rosie's workshop, I believe twice, and he's put out some luthier stories with Rosie, and his video, unlike mine, is is usable and fun to watch. So check that out if you are of a mind. Moving on to a little bit more housekeeping just before we go. I have been taught by all of the social media mentoring and coursework that I've been looking at that I need to put out a call to action at the end of my content. So that is precisely what I am going to do. If you are a luthier or you are a guitar player and you would like some help with your social media, then please get in touch. It would be amazing to work with you. One of the offerings I will be putting out there for UK-based luthiers and players is content creation. 
I know that my video work for this particular broadcast was not good enough to put out, but it has got better, as you will hopefully see from some of the videos that follow this particular recording. And I would be more than happy to come with my camera equipment and my audio equipment and spend some time with you in your workshop or in your studio and create some content for you. It can be photographs, it can be audio, it can be interviews, it can be video, any kind of content that would be worthwhile to put out for you on your channel. In this day, social media is vitally important for marketing and it's still a bit of a black art, I have to say. Having just gone through all of these courses that I've done, learning about search engine optimization and how to grow your your brand through organic content and through paid traffic. It's, you know, it's a full-time job. And I know that you're busy with your music or with your your woodworking or whatever it is that you're doing. So if you would like to have a chat with me, please do get in touch. That would be amazing. You can find me by going to camssocial.media. So I've got myself a fancy new style top-level domain there, a .media domain. And uh, you can contact me through there, or, of course, you'll get me on all the socials as well. So I am Camuel on Instagram, so that's like Samuel, but with a C. And same on Twitter, you'll get me on Twitter. Or Facebook, you can find my page, which is Cam's Social Media Marketing. So with all of that said, I thank you very much for lending me your ears. And I look forward to bringing you some more content in the very near future. Thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) 